hear myself now. Yeah, well. I can hear you good. Um, I'll give you a little bit more volume. Yeah. What are you in? You're in number one. Is that a little bit better? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. I am number four. Mikhail. My man. We got it down. We did it. We did it. We made it. <laughs> yeah, what's going on, dude? I'm good, man. I'm good. So, for those that uh, don't know you, Black Belt Jiu-Jitsu. I know I've already congratulated you once, man, but yeah, let's yeah. get it Let's get it on public record. Yeah. That must be a pretty good feeling. Yeah, it's great. You know, I've put a lot of hard work into Jiu-Jitsu. I've basically been doing it full-time since I finished uni in 2014. Yep. I was a purple belt then, and it's taken me, I guess, four and a bit years to get a black belt since then. Yeah, that was one of my questions. How long have you been doing it for to get to that stage? Um, so a, four and a half so years. So a total of eight and a half years. Oh, what? Say that again. Okay. So you started... I started uni and I started jiu-jitsu. Oh, at the same time. Yeah, it took me four years to finish my degree. And what was that? In business management at RMIT. Yeah, cool. Did you enjoy that? I did enjoy it. The first year was a bit of a struggle because I didn't really know what I was getting myself into with uni and being it being so different from school. Mm. But I'm glad I had jiu-jitsu as a hobby, which... which Became kind of more than that. Out. Yeah. But, well, basically, my friends, my closest friends took a gap year and um like after high school so i decided to take a gap year after uni instead mm -hmm. to just kind of skill up in jiu-jitsu i didn't travel or anything that's something i really regret that i didn't do yeah and that's because i went through school being better friends with the guys who were a grade above me yeah and so then they all finished school <clears throat> took a gap year did whatever they want and then started uni and so i'm like i want to be with them from yeah, day yeah, one yeah. you know what i mean <laughs> no, no no i mean that definitely makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I guess now that you're a bit more independent with your own stuff, you could, I mean, you could take some time to travel. It doesn't have to be the whole year, right? Just it's probably not the best time to go on holiday, mate. I've been open for fucking, what, a week and a half? Yeah, but you got an excellent shower. By the <laughs> way, it's probably the best shower I've ever seen ever. Hey, you remember where you heard it here first, all right? The rain shower. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. That's the rain shower, 100%. Um, How you been there, man? How's your knee going? How's, how's all that? How's the new business? Yeah, man, the knee is feeling okay. Um... So, just to recap on the knee, I had uh, Osgood Slattis, yep. which we discussed when we were training last, and basically my interpretation of what that is, is there's a little growth plate at the top of the tibia in the shin, just underneath um, your patella tendon, and when you go through a growth spurt in puberty, that tendon becomes tight and kind of tugs on that growth plate and causes inflammation and quite a fair bit of pain and a lump. It's yep. really, really common, and then it generally pisses off after a while but mine just never did and then you add over a decade of heavy squats and sport and all that shit on it and it just became really really aggravated to where i spent nearly 12 months being unable to do any sort of squat without the next day being excruciating so i went down the surgery path and was expecting it to be a little bit more smooth sailing than what it was and yeah um it's not feeling great <laughs> But it's it's certainly enabling me to at least uh, get back into some lower body work. So maybe I just need to accept that it's just not going to feel the way it once did. Yeah, I mean, there's always that adaptation. There's just uh, two things I wanted to say. I also had Oscars as a kid. Yeah, I have the lumps on my knee, but do you I, still get pain if you hit as it? An, as an adult, no, I don't have pain. Like, yeah, okay. like, like sometimes I get like a bursa from jujitsu, mm -hmm. like the sidest, but um, never like Oscar pain like it was when I was growing up. Yeah. Do you remember it being pretty bad? Yeah. Oh man, Sore, it was like yeah? like 
any kind of touch would yeah would really be like, it was like, like hot it actually was hot like the skin felt yeah, yeah it was like inflamed mm. it would it would be like a seven and a half out of ten kind of pain oh yeah easy it's it's, it's super painful and like if you landed on it you'd you'd be like oh, man yeah. down you, for you a while man down for a while you can't yeah, sit yeah. and that's what I was nervous about coming back to jujitsu. Is sitting yeah. on my knees. Yeah, I remember you, know? you saying. Yeah, have you had any other surgeries? I've I've actually never, never had, had surgery. I've never had a surgery in my life. Uh, in year twelve, I dislocated my shoulder. Mm. Um, I believe the glenoid labrum is that what it's called? Do you know? Yeah. Right? And there's like bone shrapnel in there, or whatever. And and so I, I I do once in a while get like shoulder issues. Yeah. And uh, when I was eighteen, the physio, the doctor, did advise me to have surgery, but I was 18, you know, I didn't really want to. And and maybe someday I'll have to, but I'm fine for now. I've got a really good, like, strength and conditioning program with these guys called so James Tomlinson and Joey uh, Worthington. If yeah. you ever get James on here, he'd be great for this sort of stuff. He knows everything about S&C, especially yeah. when it comes to jiu-jitsu and, athl- and, like, combat athlete sport. I'd love it if you could make an introduction because yeah, that'd be sweet, man. dude. Yeah, he'd love that. And uh, he's actually working with me through all my mobility stuff. What a lot of people don't know is that in May when I competed in Japan, I actually tore my ACL, mm. a medium grade tear. I never got surgery, and I'm I'm better than I've ever been now, and and it's honestly because of him. We just work with. Yeah, I was about to say. So, what's your rehab process been then? If so you've obviously avoided surgery, so it was it was very lightly at the start, just like a lot of mobility stuff, mm. right? And then we worked on on getting like the quads, hamstrings, calves, glutes all stronger mm-hmm. and tighter when it needed to be. Yeah, but also doing hypertrophy and power training. Yeah, as well. functional so hypertrophy stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So it was kind of a balance in workout. I've, like I've always been the type to just lift heavy weights. I always thought that was just the easiest thing for me. Mm-hmm. And I neglected things like mobility and flexibility. I was always relatively quick, so I didn't really need to work on power. Yeah, well, you're a compact dude. You're pretty powerful. Yeah, so I, I always just worked on strength. And there's pros and cons to that. Obviously, I got strong, but because I got a little bit rigid, I think that's how all, all the joints. I think there's a sweet spot. Yeah. Like the whole thing, oh, don't do weights. It's going to make you slow. That's actually not the case. It can make you faster. But like I said, I think there's a sweet spot where, you know, you can, I, I too uh, hold my athleticism as of a um, high importance to me because yeah. I don't want to lose the function Absolutely. of my body. There's no point having all these big muscles and, you know, not being able to fucking do anything with it. So <laughs> um, there is a sweet spot and I find I've been on the other side of it where I've gotten too big and it's just like, Everything, getting in and out of the car, uh, uh, heavy breathing, and just it, it's it's not good. <laughs> yeah, like uh, the dilemma with me is that I'm trying to place in, I guess, the biggest comp in jiu-jitsu. It's called the ADCCs, mm-hmm. and it's the top 16, and you have to be either invited or win the trials. Is that what you've got coming up? No, it's what my friends have coming up. I didn't win the trials. Yeah, right. right? But the aim is to win the trials, and the weight division is, is 66, and that's the lightest weight division. I walk around about 63, 64. Mm-hmm. When I get to about... So you 60, need to go up a bit. But when I... In the past, when I've gone up to about 67, I felt a bit sluggish. I feel like... I feel like I'm Like your conditioning stronger. struggles? Not so much the conditioning. I just... Fi- I just... I guess I'm less of an athlete and more of a, a gorilla. You, you know, just I'm just like... Yeah, I'm yeah. just going to move you instead of like mm. my sneaky stuff usually. Yeah, because you're a slippery motherfucker. I've seen your videos, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I try and be sneaky. I try and uh, always have options and always have a direction to go. Mm. But uh, yeah, when I'm a bit heavy, I can just kind of bulldoze my way through yeah. the pathway. So there's pros and cons to that. I like I don't think that's the best jujitsu style, or the best grappling style. What to just try and 
it just try and just tough it through. Through. yeah like yeah obviously if you can do it in in like a technical way that's great but i definitely wasn't doing that i was just like being I'm a bully gonna, i'm basically yeah basically and that's not what i want to show when it comes to my jiu-jitsu i think in my you want to showcase your skills yeah in my competition results people mm. see a lot of that but i think it's just in like the discrepancy in comps you know just like i'm either fighting guys that are really good and then i'm playing a more conservative game or i'm far better than someone else and then i can just like basically do whatever you and can play, play. Mm. so it's hard in australia for me to find matches in regards to most people at my level at my weight are pretty banged up and pretty injured yeah just from the duration of doing jiu-jitsu being a lighter guy and you've got a pretty good record too so do you find it's harder to get matchups as well yeah, like I always find like when it comes to the higher belts, they either don't want to compete against me or they already have and maybe they've lost. Yeah. So there's a lot of like young up-and-comers that want fights with me, which is fine. And I was the same when I was up-and-coming as well. Um, I just have to obviously pick it wisely just because my aim isn't to be the best in Australia. It's to be like the best everywhere. Yeah. So I have to, I guess, peer. So you want to take it that, that far? I think I can. You know. So like, what's the pinnacle of the jiu-jitsu world? To win the ADCCs. So okay. I didn't win the trials. I lost... Third round in out of five. Yeah. Um, my friend Jeremy, uh, he made it to the fourth round and lost in the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually were unstoppable until we got beaten. We, like we thought we were going to meet in the finals and it was going to be like a teammate versus teammate thing. That would have been cool. That would have been really cool. You know, that was like we, we, I honestly thought that, he honestly thought that and then we just both got stopped. Eventually. Because for guys that aren't involved or haven't experienced much in the fight world, whether that be jiu-jitsu, boxing, kickboxing, muay thai, it's all about respect. So it could actually, there's there's no, I, I can't see reason why there should be too much of a weirdness no. fighting someone who you're actually a teammate or friends with. Well, the way that I look at it. Because it's, it's like, competition. I'm not really trying to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the way that I look at it, and this is my honest opinion. Yeah. If he had won the trials, I would have been super happy. For him. I would have been super stoked that my friend like managed to place in, the, in arguably the best competition there is for grappling. Mm. I just would be happier if I made it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, in relation to knowing your competitors and being friendly here and there, at the end of the day, it's a sport. Sure. It's not a fight. I'm not trying to kill the other guy. Like it may look like I am in the heat of the moment. It may look like I'm trying to rip someone's limb off and things like that. And of course you've got to probably even prepare yourself mentally to be in a certain mind state for preparation. But then once all, and this is very dependent on the individual, but once it's all said and done, yeah, it's all love. Oh yeah. I mean, we both know that, we live this life, we've trained for it, and at the end of the day, the match is done. There's no animosity after that. Unless like something dirty happened in the match, you know, then yeah. then you can question things like that. So how do you take on a loss? How does that affect you mentally? So I actually had a real bad loss last year, and the way that I describe it is a loss in momentum. You sure. know, it's like it's like you'll get like a bunch of wins, you'll have like a awesome winning streak, and then you'll take one loss that almost Sets, it can set you back or you can use it as motivation. It just depends how banged up you are after it. Um, yeah, that loss in momentum, that I believe everyone's experienced that in jiu-jitsu. And it's just like whether it be you keep going to one stage of a comp and you lose maybe in the semifinals or the finals or there's just this one guy that's always beating you and you can beat everyone else, you just can't beat this one guy in your division. Yeah, so It's very normal to experience that. Um, yeah, that momentum loss can be painful, but... I'm not stopping anytime soon, so no. it hasn't killed the momentum, if you know what I mean. No, of course, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's crazy. Do you, how's your mindset leading up to competition? Like in terms of um, stress and whatever side, 
you know, I've got a limited experience, but even just through boxing, uh, yeah. when I fought last year, I found it a stressful process leading up to the fight just because you're sort of playing things out in your head, you're thinking of worst-case scenario, um, you know, you've got these preconceived ideas on how things are going to go or how you want it to be, and that can be a little bit nerve-wracking. But then I found, um, like, day of competition, calm as, calm as a cucumber, you know, cool as yeah, a cucumber. Yeah, yeah, so I understand what you're saying. Um, so I actually do get nervous. I get quite nervous, mm. um, only because I understand what can go wrong, but... I can also see things from another perspective. So, for example, I'm competing this weekend. I have yep. a super fight against the guy that I've actually beaten before. Yep. I beat him three years ago when I was a purple belt, I think. I was a purple belt maybe three or four years ago. I was a purple belt, and he was the first black belt I ever beat in competition. And to, and like to his defense, I had run through the division pretty quickly, and he had like wars up to the finals, so he was pretty tired when we fought. Yeah. So and, and he's a really nice guy, so I'm happy to have that rematch with him. Yeah. I do get nervous in the sense of, yeah, I want to, I want to be able to perform. I put a, a lot of pressure on myself because I, I'm training every day, twice a day. I'm always at jujitsu, and because it is my life, I take a lot of pride in that. Yeah, you're so right? dedicated to it, and that's something I respect so much about you guys is that it's it's not like, you know, playing footy and you go to you go Tuesday Thursday night. Yeah. F- through the winter for and you play six game, months you and you play a game and that's cool. Yeah. You guys are in there. 24-7. And that's, and that's the pro side of it. So on one side, I take a lot of pride in that. So if I lose, it does hurt me. But it also gives me confidence because I know that I'm always comp ready. Like, yeah. basically, unless I've been injured, I could compete in a week or two weeks. Yeah. Usually all the time just because I never really take time off unless I'm on holiday or something. Yeah. So I'm usually always prepared to throw down. So how did you beat him the first time? Uh, it was a really scrambly match, and I ended up getting a straight footlock. Yeah. More on the shin, and he tapped pretty quickly from that. Yeah. And how long does the uh, entire So this match is a submission-only eight-minute match in Sydney. Yeah. Uh, the card's called Subversion. I, I was, I think this is their second or third card, maybe. Yeah. Right? Um, and yeah, so if there's no submission, and it goes the whole eight minutes, it goes to a decision to see who was either more dominant or who had more submission attempts. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, so just a no-gi comp? Yeah, no-gi. So without the kimono, yeah, rash guard shorts. You've always been no-gi, yeah? I've done both. I've always done both. My last... But you're, you're predominantly, predominantly no-gi now. Like I, uh, my last gi match was June last year. And what makes you want to do no-gi? There's a few things. So the first one is I think it's the future. Like I think... Like, I yeah. think the geese kind of... That's like I'm, traditional. Like, I'm not saying it's dying. Yeah. But I'm just saying in terms of making it... I didn't start jiu-jitsu as a kid. I started when I was 18. I think if you started when you are like, four years old, you can still make it in the gi. I just think if you started at a relatively normal age, like 18, it's pretty much impossible to break the gi scene. It's, like, super hard to make it to that top 1%. Because those guys have been doing it from yeah. down young and there's a slightly different technique used here and there, or...? Well, it's just that... The gi's a little bit more slower pace in the sense of let's say, let's say I've been training, let's say I've trained ten thousand hours and you've trained a thousand hours, mm. right? In the gi, there is like not a single chance of you winning. But in no gi, there's always that. There's always there's an element. There's that element surprise, of where like yeah. you can catch me, you can do something athletic like like that catches <clears throat> me off guard. And do you think um because 
I, I, it's yeah. I'm glad you said that because I know nothing when it comes to BJJ. Yeah. But from an outsider perspective, I get drawn to the idea of the gi because I just feel like it's more the modern. It's a bit cooler now, and it's people are transitioning more into that perhaps because maybe of the influence that MMA's had. You mean nogi? Yeah. Sorry, nogi. Yep. Did I say gay? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my bad. No gay. I feel like no gay is kind of like the future, the more modern, sort of bit more creative, maybe influenced by MMA. Yeah. Would you agree? I think it is influenced more by MMA, but I also think that it's easier to watch. So, for example, in terms of like rules and stuff, in gi jiu-jitsu, you can kind of play the game Mm -hmm. and, and get wins and even become a world champion by like winning by an advantage of two points the whole way. Right, it's a bit boring. Like you're just playing the game, which I get. You know, like I I get it. It's a sport. You have to play the game. In nogi, you can you can't just force someone to stay there. You yeah. Can, right. They can always scramble. They can make a complete radical decision. And if you're not expecting it, or if you know how to deal with it, that's when they can capitalize. And at the top of the game, it's the entertainment business. Yes. So what do people want to see? Exactly. They don't want to see. Yeah. Yeah. No, and like I, like I totally get it. Like like winning gi worlds is probably still the hardest thing you can do in jiu-jitsu just because of the talent and how many people do it. Yeah. But winning like 80 cc's in, in Nogi, one, there's more money in it and two, it's just like the prestige of it. Yeah. It makes it more entertaining and there's all these other Nogi comps out there as well that like have like prize money and things like that. And the Gi, you don't see like much prize money. Yeah. It's mainly a resume building thing. So do you think more people, What's what do you reckon the split is of Gi and Nogi? Ooh, I think it changes everywhere. Depends like, on where you are. Uh, yeah, like I, I honestly don't know. Like, mm. I mean, they say, like they say in Brazil, it's like five percent nogi or something. Really? Yeah. Crazy. Every, like everyone's just in the gi. Like I was speaking to one of my Brazilian friends, Marcio, and he was saying that uh, Friday night, the open mat, that's like their nogi session, and he's yep. like, no one shows yeah. up. <laughs> what about down at Absolute in St Kilda, where you are? So, so there's balanced classes. I, I believe there's a fifty-fifty split. Okay, so at the moment, like yeah. most of us are training nogi though, because ADCC is the next weekend. So yep. we're like helping everyone tr- like preparate for that. I mean, prepare for that. Yeah, cool. Nice man. Sorry, what were you gonna say? I can't remember now. <laughs> I was uh, zoned into what you're listening. So where does um is it Polaris 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 Polaris? That's yeah. how you say. It. So where does that fit into the standard of competition? So that's a so that's a so that's a great show. I've never been on Polaris. Mm. Um, I fought in England before at a show called Grapple Fest. That was yep. actually my last match. Yeah. So Polaris, the super fight game. It's on UFC Fight Pass, so it's a big deal, right? Yeah. There's good exposure there, which is great. And I think that's all jiu-jitsu is really. Like it's about who you beat, how you carry yourself and where your opportunities have taken you. Mm-hmm. It's not so much like there's obviously the element of who's the best, but I don't think that's like the best factor. I think it's more so like who's the best at what specific scenario. Yeah. So like my friend Craig, he's probably known as the best leg locker in the world. People go to him for leg lock advice, which is great. Is that the dude I saw you put a fight up with? Today? Maybe? No, that so I met uh, uh, Mazukazu Imanari today. I trained with him, actually. He's yeah, like cool. a, a hero of mine. He was probably the pioneer of leg locks in MMA. Yeah. He's famous for doing like this Imanari roll and getting to the legs immediately and just like submitting people with a heel hook or a knee bar. And uh, yeah, cool it was super cool to meet him together. today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd never met him. When we were in Japan, we were meant to meet him, but he wasn't at the gym. And I left a day early and everyone else got to meet him and I didn't. Uh, so I was like, damn it. But uh, yeah, I got to meet him today. He's lovely. Yeah, cool. Nice guy. Do you train? 
Yeah, I did. You learned some shit? I did. I did learn some stuff. You going to try and use it next weekend? Or you know, uh, this weekend? Sorry, uh, this weekend is it? Yeah. Probably. That's the thing, man. Like, to be honest, the reason why... I if opportunity presents itself. But I actually enjoy living in the chaos, which is kind of why I like Nogi more as well. And as well as why I kind of... I feed off those nerves. Like, comp day, I'll get nervous. But the second I step on those mats, I'm ready to just go wherever, you know? Yeah. So how many fights have you had now? I couldn't <clears> tell you, man. That many. Yeah. When was your first one? So you started when you were 18. I started when I was 18. I probably had my first uh, my first white belt tournament maybe when I was 19 or maybe like midway through 18, so maybe 2011. Yeah. Definitely 2011, probably six months into my jiu-jitsu, and I did not win. And I have still never, ever been that tired in my entire life. Yeah, so I think that's um, so I had somebody who's not experienced it as well. It's very probably misunderstood the amount of cardio conditioning that's necessary just just rest just wrestling with one of your mates for 30 seconds you see you go blue in the face yeah well it was one of those ones where i had trained jiu-jitsu and uh i well i played sport my whole life so i, I knew what sport was about but i'd never done a combat sport or like a competition combat sport yeah and when i went there i was just too rigid i was just exhausted like i didn't get submitted or anything but i had i think three matches and I like lost all You're just points. in survival mode. I was just, it wasn't even that. I just di- I didn't know the rules or anything. I was just like, <laughs> I, I have to try and submit. I didn't know that there was points. Didn't know any of that stuff. That's fucking funny. Yeah. I honestly just, I winged it hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't compete again. Good learning lesson though. Yeah, absolutely. I knew that I definitely wasn't ready to compete yet. Yeah. I wanted to get better. So first. then how long did you have a layoff till you competed again? I want to say maybe a whole year. Yeah. Like maybe a whole year after that I competed and I got a silver medal. At the Vic State Championships. That's a big jump from uh From just a local tournament. Yeah, yeah, getting bashed at a local tournament. Well, I like started jiu-jitsu because I was kind of always good at sport and I dislocated my shoulder playing rugby in year 12. Yep. And they said I'd never bind in the scrum anymore. So I decided to do something that was ultimately worse on my shoulder, which, <laughs> which is jiu-jitsu. Yeah. But I just thought it would be fun. And um, I did it and I was kind of like, I wasn't, terrible at it but i just had no direction and i remember my first lesson i got bashed by like some skinny dude and uh i basically just there and then i knew that i wanted to get good at this yeah you know it was it was one of those humbling things that i was like damn like i thought i knew how to like actually actually do something like i'd I'd watch ufc i was like i thought i understood that stuff i thought it made sense but no there's so much more to it and the funny thing is the more i know the more i know like less i know yeah, I say that all the time. The more yeah. and more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. And sometimes it just becomes even more confusing, you know what I mean? Because you get these contradictions, whether yeah. whatever it might be. Like I was teaching an intro class on Saturday and it was, I think it was the second class, this girl's second class. And uh, and I was showing her like a real basic move and she was like, so is that all I have to do? And I was like, for now, but actually every limb yeah, is that's doing... That's all you have every to do while someone's trying to put you in a guillotine. Yeah, yeah. But like everyone, like every limb, every kind of angle you cut is actually doing something too. I just, it's just experience. You can't yeah. really teach that to a straight beginner. They don't understand the concept of it. It's humbling is the word that stands out for me there because the very limited experience I've had in the BJJ world training with you. Again, I've grown up naturally talented with sports. Yeah. You know, Give me the basketball, you shoot it in the hoop. You got soccer ball, you kick it in the back of the net. You know, you got the cricket ball, hit the ball. They're all kind of quite, 
you know, they transfer. There's transferable skills there from sport to sport. Yeah. And it's always come pretty naturally. But then when you go to something like jiu-jitsu, as you mentioned, it is so complex. And until you go through these processes thousands of times, like for you to really be able to actually do jiu-jitsu properly, it needs to be instinctive. Yeah. Because you don't have time to react and be like, oh, I need to put that lock in, I need to do this, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's different like there's different methodologies to look at it. Like I know people that are super invested in like step by step method, and they and they're successful because of it. Mm-hmm. But I like to kind of feel things out, and like I said, kind of live in that chaos. You know, just kind of uh, just believe in myself and just don't stop moving until I get to a good position. Yeah. So there's pros and cons to what you're saying too. You know, but yeah. I totally get it. It is. It is it's just there's a lot going on. There's so much going on. And it, it, a lot going on that you're trying to do while somebody else is trying to do something back to you, which might change the entire scenario. And you might not know what they're trying to do to you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what experience versus inexperience is. It's a beast, man. So uh, what drew you to jiu-jitsu in the first place? Was there any other ones? Did you did you experience boxing? Did you do Muay Thai? Did you do kickboxing? Anything else or any of the other martial arts before you went to jiu-jitsu? So when I would have school holidays, I did like, kickboxing during the holidays yep. just like just to keep up fitness or whatnot just to do something Sounds basically yep. and also it was like social you know you can hang out with some friends meet some new people um but no it was actually when i dislocated my shoulder i was just kind of at the time i was watching ufc as well and i saw some of this wrestling stuff and like brock lesnar like shooting frank me through the cage kind of thing and i was like that's kind of like rugby but in a cage and i was like i was like maybe i could be good at that and i actually had a a friend invited me to a jiu-jitsu gym and I tried it out, loved it. And here I am. That's cool, man. And I, and that friend actually, so there's two friends, one that introduced me to MMA and one that introduced me to jiu-jitsu. The one that introduced me to jiu-jitsu, I believe he lives in Thailand now. And I think he's a purple belt. He might be a brown belt. So in what ways has jiu-jitsu changed other areas of your life? Uh, so I always say this and during uni, the hardest thing for me in uni was the independence, you know, like in school, you're kind of forced to do your shit and like you get told off if you don't do it. Uni is completely yeah, independent, you don't turn up, no one cares. right? No one cares. Hmm. And I didn't actually know how to teach myself things. Jiu-jitsu showed me how I learned like, like, like methods to learn. So now I kind of know how my learning methods are and, and what I have to do to let something sink in. And yep. it's basically just immersing myself in it in conversation. That's the best way for me to learn. Like, I, I, I have friends that I went to uni with that would score higher than me in exams, but would forget the words in the exam just the next day, you know, like they would just memorize things. And yep. that's, I can, I'm terrible at that. Yeah. But once I understand something, I never forget it. I'm much similar. So I always try and understand something. So I'll try and like debate certain things or like have kind of group discussions, troubleshoot here and there. And once I kind of get it, then it'll stick with me. And that's what jiu-jitsu gave me, that if you immerse yourself in something with the right people, you talk about it, you troubleshoot, things end up working out. Well, jiu-jitsu in a really basic sense is kind of problem solving, isn't it? It is. People compare it to, to chess. They say it's human chess. Do you play chess? I do play chess. I haven't played chess in a long time, but I do like playing chess. You strike me as a guy who'd be good at chess from what I know of you. Uh, so the way that I actually play chess was I don't play the game. I kind of play the person. 
Oh, so you're that right? fucking good, eh? <laughs> no, it's not that. It's just like I, I don't know the strategies on how to win chess. But yeah. I, I can kind of tell what the other person doesn't want me to do. Yeah. And what I shouldn't do and what I should do. Does that mean you're good at poker? I'm not good at poker only because I don't know the rules. Right. I've, I've never played poker. Um, I actually describe jiu-jitsu more of like pool. You know, it's not where the ball, it's not the ball you sink, it's where you want the white ball to end up. Mm-hmm. I like that analogy more so than, than like the human chess one. Yeah, that's cool. Makes sense to me. Yeah. So you've um by the sounds of it, you've done a fair bit of traveling. Yes. With jujitsu and it's yes, taken you around the world. So where where else have you fought? So I fought all over. You mentioned the world. England. Yep, I fought in England. I fought all over America, like New York, California. I fought in Kazakhstan. Super interesting place. I know, like you like to eat meat, don't you? Sure. Great meat in Kazakhstan. Can imagine. You love it, right? Yeah. I've been to Abu Dhabi. What sort of meat do you eat in Kazakhstan? They have all kinds of meat. They actually have... So, so what, like, what kinky shit have you eaten? What kinky shit? Yeah. The weirdest thing I've ever eaten and drank in Kazakhstan was horse meat and horse milk. What was it like? The horse meat just kind of tasted like a, like a, a tough steak. I guess... I can imagine it would be very dense meat. Horses, like to them, are like kangaroos to us. Yeah, okay. Uh, horse milk and camel milk I tried there too. One, I can't remember which is which, but one is... Sour and one's bitter. Neither of those sound overly it's a, appetizing. It's meant to, me. to be a palate cleanser. I don't know what for, but it's a palate <laughs> cleanser. Yeah. I mean, I just had Each to try it. their own, eh? I just had to try it. You know, I, I went all the way there and I was offered something I would not have the opportunity to try again, so I tried it. You eating any other weird meats or... Uh, I don't think any meats weird meat, but stuff that's not traditionally probably consumed in Western head, diets. Man. Not off the top of my head. Mm. Eating crocodile? I don't think I have. Yeah. I don't think I have. The weirdest thing I ate was like, actually one of the weirdest things I've eaten was actually just down the road. Uh, it was sheep or goat's brain. It was like a French place. Good? Uh, it was okay. I wouldn't say like, it's an organ, right? So it's kind of squishy. I was about to say, I'd imagine it'd be quite good for you. Organ meats, like liver. Is it? I'll, is I don't know. one of like the most nutrient dense, is it? nutrient dense things that you can eat. Yeah, I don't know enough about any of that stuff. I kind of just know, like, basic macros. Yeah, so, like, you know how, I don't know, I love going on about this shit, but <laughs> you see lots of, like, um, people drinking their celery juices. Yep. For detox, inverted commas. Yep. There. So, detox is a really complicated, <coughs> well, the, the, the scientific name for it would be biotransformation. Okay. And there's the three phases of biotransformation. There is the liberation and mobilization of a toxin from a fat cell. Yep. That occurs and is dependent on certain micronutrients. Okay. So certain vitamins and minerals to create that phase one. Okay. To get the toxin out of the fat cell and convert it from lipophilic to hydrophilic, which means fat soluble to water soluble. Okay, lots of fancy words there for Mm -hmm. something really simple. Phase two, conjugation. So that toxin needs to bind to something. Yep. Needs to bind to amino acids, which come from protein. So then you see a lot of people doing these juice cleanse detoxes and they take out meat and all these other things for the week. So they might now have extra vitamins and minerals and micronutrients to ramp up phase one, but nothing for it to bind to. Yeah. In preparation for phase three, which is the elimination which is going to happen through sweat, shit, and piss, basically. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so beef liver 
has the amount of, I think it's vitamin A and vitamin E, but I need to double check that, so don't quote me on it. Anyway. Yeah. But the amount of vitamin that you can get from 100 grams of beef liver would require 1,000 cups of celery juice. Right. So when they're drinking all these celery juices thinking, I'm doing this cleanse. They're just excreting it. They're doing fuck all. And they're, just and they're probably up. taking in a bunch of toxins and pesticides and whatnot unless that celery is organic. Right. Which is also rare. So it's, yeah. Ah, the more you know, the more you know. Well, I actually only found out the other day that like uh, – that the human body can only process certain types of proteins. So like the, so like the example of soy, I learned that like that you can only get something like 17% of the protein out of soy or something soy's like that. Soy's got really like poor bioavailability That's and it's also word. got a really poor amino profile. Well, proteins, uh, soy proteins have got really poor amino profile. Mate, soy is no good to be eating. Right. It is full of um, oxalic and um, what's the other one? Oxalic acid and... Another acid I can't remember, but they deplete um, uh, magnesium. They deplete calcium, iron. So it's actually right. re- really bad. Uh, I think it's about 90, 95% of soy is genetically modified and one of the highest spread crops in the world with things like Roundup and whatnot. Uh, it's feminizing, so it can create uh, delayed onset puberty um, for young boys. It can create estrogen-related – it can promote estrogen-related cancers, Um can give you bitch tits right as a man because of that feminizing like it's very estrogenic yeah i've heard that yeah but that was that was that was the extent of my knowledge when it came to that stuff my my background in nutrients is pretty average so when we're we've talked about it once before but you keep your do you have to cut much weight uh so now i'm probably like a kilo a kilo to cut but i, I won't but have usually access. in the past i've cut a lot but what's the most you've cut so i've over six to eight weeks, I've cut from maybe 62 to 56. No, I've cut to 54 and a half. That was the fucking hardest thing. So I've 12 kilo. Yeah. 66 to 54. No, uh, 62. Yep. To 54 and that's a half. Still, that's still a lot. And how long? It was day before weigh-in. I did it in, um, I think, seven weeks. Yeah. So I did. So so what I do for my weight cuts is I'll go on a calorie deficit, yep. high fiber calorie deficit for majority of that time and then do you do it incrementally or do you just cut the um, calories so i should do it incrementally but i just yes you should yeah yeah i was just more like test myself yeah also like i'm kind of goal driven so i was like i'm gonna try and lose a kilo a week yeah kind of thing anyway so i kind of do that for majority of it and then four days out i go on uh a low residue diet high calories so the opposite. So I'll have things with like low dietary fiber, low sodium, but it could be higher in the calories. So like what I used to do was like Nutella and white bread. Okay. So four days out, I would do that because the food weight is nothing. I'll have some metamucil or something, just shit it out. And uh, I would be like a kilo and a half lighter. just from. And you avoid the sodium, you said? Yeah, absolutely. Well, that'd make you drop water. Yeah. So I would, lo- I would stop having, so at the moment, because I'm away in on Friday, and it's Wednesday today. I haven't had sodium today. And I probably won't till I weigh in. I, it's a day before weigh in, but I won't have access to a sauna while I'm in Sydney. So I just okay. thought I'd make the weight and then I just rehydrate up completely. 
I'm used to it now though. It's only sixty one from sixty four to sixty one kilos. Yeah. Okay. And um, what's your rehydrating process? Do you try and do it slowly? No. Or just so smash it. No. So well, it depends what you like. Like you mean by slowly, but basically, I'll try and and fill myself up with liquid. Yeah. Right. So I'll have like a, a Gatorade or two, and then I'll, I'll I'll try and eat till I'm full. But because I've been on a diet, my metabolism is good. The food metabolizes quickly. And I'll probably eat again, and then I'll go to sleep. And then do you eat before you fight? So I'm fighting at night, so I definitely will eat before I fight. Not probably like I'll have lunch. I won't have dinner. I might have a small snack. Yeah. But I like to compete a little bit hungry. Yeah, well, you wouldn't want to be uh, still digesting food and definitely. run the risk of... Yeah, definitely not, especially bork, since I've been on a diet all week. Right? Yeah. Um, but because my weight's actually relatively good, I don't really have to be on such a strict diet. Like Has I'm anyone showed you, does anyone sort of manage that for you? Have you just sort of intuitively taught yourself no, this I, from trial so and error? I learned it from, a, uh, so a person I work with and I train with, Livia, she had someone, I think, sponsor her. her na- his name is Reed Real. Mm-hmm. And he has, I think he's a, I'm pretty sure he's a dietitian for combat sports. And he kind of wrote up this program to cut weight for combat athletes so they can still train and whatnot. But his whole structure was for same day weigh-in. So for a day before weigh-in, you can do other strategies like water loading and things like that. I've never water loaded. I've just, it just doesn't seem like the healthiest thing ever. So I haven't, I haven't done that yet. But if I had to cut down to 56 or 54 again, I would, I definitely would have to. There's no way I could make the weight. Just do you get in the sauna? I like the tub more. Oh yeah. So hot tub with Epsom salts. I've, my record is I've lost two kilos in 20 minutes just from sweating in the tub. It's crazy. Because you don't feel no, that it's, you're sweating it's, in it's the tub. It's super unpleasant. No, I mean, you can't feel the sweat, it'd be but it's a horrible unpleasant. experience. Like, I remember I was listening to like a, a Foo Fighters album while I was in the tub once, and I don't think I listened to them for like six months. I just fucking hated them for ages. <laughs> do, you have, um, do you listen to music before you fight? Yeah, but like calming music. Oh, I, I was about to say more calming suit though. Yeah, like calming music up to the point when I'm on in like 10 minutes. Then I might ramp it up and get like more beats. Well, you got to manage your arousal. Yeah. I I usually have a tendency of like warming up a bit too early. So I try and not now. Yeah. Try and probably like... Peak and then dip off and then you're yeah. like, oh shit, I got to go. Because like, I think how I used to do it was I'd try and be warm for like an hour before competing, but that's a fucking way long time. Right now I think like 10 minutes is enough. As long as like your, your lungs are open. So I might do like some sprints, you know, just get like... The deep breathing going, lungs are open. Uh, and then and then once that's done, I'll probably do that half an hour before I compete. So you like to kind of a bit and then you like to get a good blowout and then recover. Yeah. Yeah. Get those Blow lungs out, open. Recover, then a light sweat before I stop uh before I step on, sorry. Yeah. No, that's cool. usually it, yeah. So how did you come about getting this rematch with this dude on the week ne- this weekend? Um, because you're 40 before in the jiu-jitsu game, do you like, has this been sort of people talking on your behalf and kind of matchmakers come together and said, hey, what about this? Or do you call it, call one another out? How's it working? So this one, I actually can't remember how it was set up. He's a really nice guy. Like, I like the guy. Um, he's actually one, he's an OG MMA fighter from Australia. He, he's probably like the lightest MMA fighter in Australia. And he might have been like one of the only flyweights back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um he now, I'm not sure, I don't think he fights anymore. I'm pretty certain he doesn't. But he now just does grappling, teaches at his school in Sydney. And um, 
to answer your question, I can't remember how it was set up. I think George, the organizer, messaged me asking if there was anyone needed to fight, and I just gave him a list of names, and he just said, "I'll fight anyone." Well, it's it was basically that you know I'll yeah. fight anyone, and uh, I gave him like a list of names of people that I had competed against and people that were tough matches and people that I hadn't competed against, and he got back to me with this. So, yeah, fair game. Like it was a really fun match. Like probably. Uh, up till maybe two years ago, yeah. out of all my jiu-jitsu, his match with me was probably my funnest match. And is it available for viewing for those that can't make it to Sydney or aren't in Sydney? I'm not too sure. I believe they're working on like a YouTube stream, but you can't quote me on that. Yeah. Okay, well, if you find out, make yeah, sure yeah. you text me so I can... Uh, I'll send a yo man. Tune, tune in and watch. I mean, I hope it is so then like friends and the fiancé back here can, uh, can have a watch. Yeah. So, um... Down at Absolute, what's your schedule looking like? Are you taking a heap of um, clients? Are you just doing classes? So uh, I'm the head kids coach and I take one Nogi class in the week. Yeah. But I mainly focus on my own training, to be honest. And I, I take a lot of private lessons like with you and stuff. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of clients in terms of that and I don't really change that. I, I like it the way it is. Mm-hmm. Currently, I'm going to Sydney to compete, and I'm teaching two seminars while I'm there. Yes, yeah, and the following week, I'm teaching two seminars in Brisbane. And are the I'll seminars for jujitsu very quite technical based, hands on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like uh, I try and, I guess, share my opinions on certain moves and how I do it and the reasoning why I do it that way. Like, uh, Is, do you think the um, the BJJ world's becoming? Oh, oh, I don't know if it's always been this way. Because, like I said, I, I don't know anything about it, really. But is it quite open to creativity and sort of, you know what I'm getting at? Yes and no. So I think it's becoming more so that. But previously, it was very uh, big fish in a small pond, you know, like coaches wouldn't let their students learn from anyone but them. They couldn't cross-train. Now it's it, it's more so of a thing. But I think that just hinders your students. Like I let like my students, if they want to train with, with someone else and learn from them, I'm I'm happy for them. And it's great that they can get another perspective on certain techniques or even Yeah, well if you only read one book, that's all you'll ever know. Exactly. Yeah. It's exactly that. And uh I've watched jujitsu change throughout Australia the whole time I've done it. So in the last nine years, I remember I was eighteen when I started, uh I'd go out, I'd be at a bar, a nightclub, I'd meet a girl and she's like, So what do you do? I'm at uni and I do jiu-jitsu. They wouldn't know. No what one was. like no one knew what it was back then. But now I think the, the average median kind of person has heard about it. They know like, oh, that's that martial art that I keep hearing or whatever. So I've seen it grow. I've seen gyms come and go. Like champions leave, champions come. And uh, it's interesting, man. Like I just think change is everywhere. And I think you just have to embrace the change. I think the people that don't embrace the change get left behind and that's and that's quite sad. Yeah. And they're just sort of stuck in their old school ways and want to complain about it maybe or Yeah, no, it's it, 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 it like it's absolutely that and each of their own, you know, like who am I to judge them for thinking that way? I'm sure they have a reason why they think that way. I just don't like thinking that way, you know. Yeah. I'd like to think I was more open-minded with that sort of stuff. Yeah, for sure. I actually asked uh Nath just last minute, I was like, what are you doing? Do you want to come sit down with, on the podcast with us and talk about some uh, some fighting? 
But uh, unfortunately, he was going for a run and whatnot. But he's just been overseas for about yeah, you were saying two, two and a half months or something. So he, he did say to me when he gets back that he'd be keen to come down and sick man do some more training. Is he still boxing? Good. Yeah, he is. He is. He, that's that's where he was going when I called him. He's like, oh, I got to go to boxing training. Oh right, so, right, cool. Um, yeah, he fought a couple of times just before he went away, and I think he'll fight again soon. So pretty successful. Good. Yeah, man, he's a, he's a good boxer. He cuts himself short. Sick. On there, but well, I mean, he's he's pretty athletic, man. He's like a tall guy, super athletic, mate. I've never ever seen someone who's got the cardio drive. Oh, like really? He does. He just he enjoys the punishment. He knows how to push himself yeah. and is fit at the same time. So he's got the mind and the body pairing in together. It's, it's an impressive. Yeah, cardio is a killer. Like I used to always think that cardio was just like willpower, you know. And to some extent, it kind of. I think is. it's a mental game. But now I like like now that I I know that high interval training actually increases your cardio. I do believe in that too. Yeah, of course. But definitely there's that there's that moment of where you're like, I just need to push the pace right now and I hope it pays off. And that happens in jiu-jitsu all the time. You know, there's like a scramble. Managing scramble, your scramble. energy, that's all. That's king, yeah? But like, let's just say if it was no gi jiu-jitsu and there's like a scramble, or even in the gi, scramble, 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 you have a choice. You're like, I can keep scrambling and if I'm gassed and they still have energy, I am I'm fucked. done. I am fucked. I'm yeah. toast. Yeah. But if I come up on top, I can have a breath, maybe two breaths. Yeah. Right? Same so in boxing. It's like I'm going to throw these bombs, but if they don't, yeah, hit the spot, I'm going to get some bombs coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've just done nothing for ages. Yeah. Yeah. I get it, man. Like, I think, I think a well balanced athlete will go a long way, and I think that's just what the UFC is now. Like. I don't find MMA as fun anymore to watch as it used to be. I think it used to be more like fighter versus fighter, but now I see it's more like athlete versus athlete, but that's a beauty in itself as well. Well, old school, so the earlier UFCs and MMA, the whole concept was to, to see how the different martial arts kind of paired up with one another. So you get a karate guy versus a jiu-jitsu guy. Yeah. Or you, whatever it might be, you know, whereas now it's come and Everyone's accepted mixed. that, you actually are mixed. It's not one martial art versus the other. I mean, sure, there's specialists and yeah, they yeah, seem yeah. to be the ones that do really well because the opponent has to obviously respect that because if they're a specialist, you're always at risk of getting caught, whether it be a striking specialist or whether it be a submission specialist. Yeah. But, um, I mean, the competition's probably a little bit tighter than what it used to be. Yeah, yeah. Well, I Have you you've been watching it much now? No, I, I don't watch it as much anymore. I think I'm just too invested in jiu-jitsu like i like to watch a lot of tape and study a lot of jiu-jitsu i yeah. haven't done it as much as i probably should there's always more so who in the ufc do you like watching from a jiu-jitsu perspective damien meyer mm-hmm. you know i think damien meyer is a really good grappler I, I i like to watch khabib too yeah he's like i'm trying to un, like in every single fight i've seen him in mm-hmm. he takes his opponents into the deep waters and then they just break and I'm not quite sure what he's doing to do that, but he must just have some kind of pressure he, where yeah. his opponents just accept defeat. And I, I have no idea what he's doing. I'd love to know. I mean, if if I ever got to meet the guy, I'd definitely ask him. Yeah. Be like, like, what are you doing that's different to everyone, man? Like, it doesn't look like... Well, his like, pressure, like you said, is on point. Yeah. Which means his conditioning has to be on point to yeah. enable him to put that kind of pressure on. And you just see him when he gets that control he will not let off and keeps that distance it's like really it's really close and he's always got hand control it just looks like it like from a third party 
even though he's the same size as the other guy, it just looks like he's way heavier. Well, he's had some issues in the past cutting weight. Yeah, so like, he might be a little like bit naturally like I bigger. I think he fights at lightweight. Is that one fifty five? Lightweight. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I believe he walks around at two hundred pounds. Yeah. So that's like he's a big he's a big fucking lightweight. Yeah. Right, but um, other lightweights cut from around and, there and too. And again, he's been doing this shit since he was he could yeah, walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right, and like there are interviews with him wrestling bears and stuff. So who knows the kind of shit he gets? Like and the mindset. Yeah. Like. Yeah, it's hard for us to relate to that probably kind of mindset because we don't live that kind of lifestyle or haven't grown up in that culture. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, man. But I'm super interested to know what he actually does. Like every time I watch him, I'm just mind blown. I'm like, it, because he's not doing anything that's overly complex. Yeah, it looks quite simple, but he's just getting it to work so accurately and perfectly that I'm super impressed by it. I'd love to. know It what is he does. if if you don't know MMA and you don't know fighting. As a spectator, you probably go, what the fuck? This is boring. This guy's just dry humping and laying over this guy for five minutes every round. Yeah. But it is super impressive when you understand what's actually kind of happening. Absolutely. And that's actually why I like to watch jiu-jitsu tape. I want to see him and Tony Ferguson. Yeah. I'd love to see him against Damien Meyer. I know Damien Meyer is a bit big. Like, he's at one division up. Mm. I'd love to see if Damien Meyer's jiu-jitsu experience could deal with Khabib's pressure and wrestling experience. Yeah, That's I suppose Tony Ferguson's just so unpredictable. He's going to throw elbows. He's going to throw knees. He's, he's, he can get you in darces from every single. He's a fucking wild man. Corner. Yeah, he's actually a wild. A man. fucking wild yeah. man. Like I, I was looking through his Instagram the other day, and he's got this video of music playing, and he's just shadow boxing, and he's like, he's fully, he's basically dance fighting. Well, again, like from what I've heard, just from socials and whatnot, like that's what Tony Ferguson loves to do with his time. It's just train. That's awesome. Like, like he loves it so yeah. much, and that's probably why he is the fighter that he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Nate Diaz, Jorge Masvidal. Yep. That's going to be a sick fight. Nate Diaz, man. The Diaz brothers are one of my favorites. So from cool, back in the day. Like, so cool. Like, I wish Nick still fought. You know, like, I like I don't know what he'd be like now. Yeah. But I know coming up the ranks, I always thought Nick was a better fighter than Nate. I think Nate's name kind of just blew up because of the McGregor thing. Yeah, of course. But, like, Nick, like, one of the most like impressive fighters with the Stockton slap and the cardio and his jiu-jitsu as well. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you watch much of Nick, uh, like Nick no, Diaz back in the half, day. Yeah. Just the craziest cunt, man. <laughs> like actual crazy. Like, They're both fucking yeah. crazy. Um, yeah. I, I remember watching an interview on like Nick Diaz about getting into street fights and stuff and him heel hooking people and things like that. And now they train with them and things like <laughs> Just funny stories, man. Like, they're just real people, you know? They are. Like I was they just going to say, they're as real as it gets. There's no bullshit there. It's not a facade. It's not an act. It's not a McGregor show. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And even, and even in the interview that Nate did maybe a year and a half ago, and he said everyone's on steroids, mm. it's like in every sport you see heaps of PEDs. Like Have you seen that documentary, what's it called, Icarus? I saw the first half of it, and unfortunately I fell asleep for the second half. You're like me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I will. I have a tendency of watching things like relatively late at night and then just completely dozing off. Yeah, see, like it's things I'm always sort of harping on about or lecturing or teaching clientele or whatever it might be is the harms of blue light from our phone screens and TVs and laptops in suppressing the um, secretion of melatonin from mm-hmm. the pineal gland, which is what puts us to sleep. Is I, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. So um, basically, in 
yeah, melatonin builds up through the day. Vitamin when the ultraviolet light hits the back of the retina, stimulates production of melatonin. Melatonin builds up, and when that's released, that's what puts you to sleep. So, have you ever heard of people taking melatonin at nighttime to help them yeah, sleep? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have some too at home. I yeah. haven't taken it in a long time, but when I'm I'm traveling with jet lag, I like yeah. So, melatonin. blue light coming from mobile phones, laptop screens, TVs inhibits the release of melatonin, and that's what can create insomnia and what. So. Phones down at about 7 p.m. or flux night mode, all those kinds of things. You know how it goes orange on the yeah, screen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. getting people to do that. But what I'm getting at is if I put – it's strange because I put TV on and I'm 70% chance going to fall asleep. Just, I don't know. I think Maybe it's, it's the, just because I'm wrecked. I think the it's the, the posture. You know, like when I'm like lounging? Yeah. I can go to sleep at any time. Yeah. And like there's definitely like rest mode to when there's active mode. Like usually – I don't do this as much as I should, and the missus will tell me off of this, right? But basically, when I get home, if I sit down immediately, oh. I'm not going to do much after that. Like, my day's done. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly right? but, what you mean. But if, like, I get home and I start cleaning and doing a bunch of shit, then, like, everything gets done, and then, like, it's obviously an easier rest because you know that, that nothing else has to be done. Yeah, once you've sat down, it's a hell of a lot harder to get back up and Fucking get it going again. Yeah. Momentum. <laughs> yeah, it's actually just momentum. Same like as in the rest mode. Yeah. You know, like uh, I'm notorious for falling asleep during movies and stuff. I feel like that goes into a daily thing too, you know? Like when you're in a routine of training every day, when you're in a routine of preparing your meals and eating well and making sure you go out for a walk every day. Yeah. These things, like everything's, you know, what is it? Ob- object in motion stays in motion. Yeah, I guess there's like there's that, that stimulation, right? Yeah. But when you've had a bit of a layoff, those first few weeks, it's like roll starting a car. Just big, yeah. big effort until it gets <laughs> it, going. It is know. actually that. Yeah. yeah Do you take many breaks from training? Like I know you said before, like you always stay ready. It breaks as in... From training? So the longest Just time I've had heal between... Just a mental break. So the longest time I've had between rolls has been 15 days since I've started. And that's happened twice. Yeah. And there was once where I took 10 days off and that was when I was in Malaysia over the Christmas period last year. So what's the average time for somebody to, provided they've got the capabilities and application, to go from white belt to black belt? How long does that usually take someone? What, journey, what takes, how long is so that journey? On average, they say eight to 10 years. So you're pretty on point with that then because you're about eight years, yeah? Yeah, 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 yeah. But like it changes like... It changes with the individual, you know, like I know people that have gotten in four and a half. I know people that took 20 years to get their black belt. It just depends how much time you can commit to it. Like I was teaching a private earlier today and and I was talking about how I'm always immersed in jiu-jitsu. So I'm always thinking about it. But you can get someone that trains jiu-jitsu every day for an hour, right, in their lunch break or whatever. But outside of jiu-jitsu, they never think about jiu-jitsu. So obviously the progression is going to be less yeah. than like someone that's constantly thinking about it, thinking of ways to improve you know, like I'm the kind of guy that like uh, if someone gets the better of me in training, right, I don't take it personally, but I'll think about it for the whole day. I'll think what happened and why that happened and I'll try and problem solve. Do you do a lot of self-analyzing? Anal- All the time. Do you film stuff? Like like techniques or the roles? Your sessions, yeah, ever? Uh, no, but I, I actually think... Or your fights, would, you watch your fights back. I do watch my yeah. fights, right? So this is actually something really interesting. This is something that I only learned maybe two years ago. So I didn't know until two years ago that when I compete, I'm way quicker than when I'm rolling at the gym. Just adrenaline? 
No, I think it's because at the gym and you're not trying to in the learning pace. Yeah, I can't move that quickly and learn. There's too much going on, right? And then once I and then once I get into competition, I'm like, I'm just here to win now. I want to showcase my talents and win. And I'll watch the tape and I'll make different decisions to the decisions I make at training. And I'll try and figure out why. And it's usually that reason, just the intensity of it. And um, So you feel like your pressure is your asset? Yeah, I actually, uh, I learn a lot from watching myself, which is really strange. It, no, it, I, like, I, like I feel that's really why I asked because I did the exact it, same but, thing. Yeah. Whether that be lifting weights, because you still can be assessing, like your proprioception could be off. Mm-hmm. You feel like you're doing one thing, but you're actually doing... Another, and that's where having that footage can be really helpful. Be like, oh fuck, I didn't realize I'm doing that. Same thing when I'm boxing, I'd film my sparring sessions, yeah. and then I'd actually slow it down. I'd put it in slow motion, okay, right, and watch it back in slow motion. So then you can see what's actually happening first. Is the footwork going first? Am I reacting to something? I don't know. I found it really helpful, but I've studied I'm quite self-taught with everything. Yeah, I've studied other people's matches in slow motion. I've never put my matches in slow motion. But I could try that out. But to be honest, in the last uh, three months, my game's changed. So In what way? I just... Um, so, like, my game's always changing in the sense of whatever I'm working on is the thing I'm going to try and do in the competition. Yeah. And that Does that premeditation ever work against you, though? In what sense? Okay, so let's say you go into this weekend just really wanting to do a... Some sort of like if you wanted to armbar right, someone, right, right, and right, you're right. constantly looking for that armbar, and then you put something oh, like, like a tunnel you, vision. You, thing? Yeah, you've closed the other opportunities. No, no, no. Like I head. don't think of it that way. I think of like uh, I, I don't set myself certain goals. I kind of just like uh, have a overall plan of where I want it to go and the style I want to play. Yeah, you know, it's like uh, and if you if something presents itself, you've kind of got that in the back of mind, ready to pounce on it if it if it does turn up. Right, like like for example, like like this weekend. I'm fighting a guy that I fought three years ago. My jiu-jitsu has changed heaps in three years, mm. right? But a part of me also knows that I could fall back on what I know worked back then because it should work now, but he could be better at things now too. So there's also like, there's all, like there's, it's just issues when it comes to combat sport when you have a pre-planned thing. Is, is, do you reckon there'll be like a little bit of a feeling out process for the first minute or so? Or you, do you reckon it'll be straight into the... Honestly, like uh, with me, and I wish it wasn't this way, Mm. but uh, it's just how I feel on the day. Yeah. You know, like I could feel on the day and and want to be really technical and that could end up really bad for me. Mm -hmm. Or I could be like, all right, fuck this guy. I'm just going to win. And that could could also be bad for me, but both those things could be really good things too. Yeah. You know, so it's hard to say. It depends how I feel. Um, I've got some size on this guy. Probably like naturally four kilos heavier, maybe three kilos heavier. Mm. Um, he's not cutting any weight for this mm. one, so he's lighter than me. Look, I'm going in pretty confident, but I'm not overlooking things. Yeah. And and that's and that's the way I, I, I like it, really. Like, I like the fact that there's always this element of me potentially losing, and that puts... A little bit of fear. It's good. Always, always. Mm. You know, because like... Uh, I like those nerves. Like I said, like I live in that chaos. I like to, I like to feel nervous and then get on the mats. It wouldn't have always be like, been that way though. There, you're like you're comfortable in that surrounding now. Yeah, yeah. You've learned to become comfortable with that feeling. Hey, yeah. Well, actually, I think I was kind of always that way, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, it, that, yeah, it was a question. Yeah, I kind of always was that way. Um, I think I just took a lot of pride in like doing what I thought I should do instead of just doing. And uh, now I'm like now I just do basically, you know, like I'm I'm pretty well rounded. I think I'm a well rounded grappler. Uh, my record says that like the last fifteen or twenty wins or whatever has been by leg locks, and that's not because I'm a leg lock specialist in any way. It's just where it's ended up, and I've just been better than my opponents at that particular position. Yeah. Um, but I'm actually much better elsewhere. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny. That What's your favorite? My favorite. What would be your favorite way to submit someone? A guillotine. Yeah. So it's a funny one. Um, I don't think I've had a guillotine win in competition since Blue Belt, but it's my highest submission at the gym. Yeah, okay. Like I think I guillotine like most people – like. If I'm beating someone at the gym and I submit them, it's more than likely a guillotine or like some kind of front choke. Do you reckon that's a bit to do with your body shape? Uh, yes and no. Like I think the body shape and like the strength element like does play factor. But uh, I think I just have been there so much that I understand the mechanics. Yeah. Like how to bend the body, how to bend the neck, how to keep the ratios the same while separating them kind of thing. I know it, like it means nothing to you. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. It's fascinating, dude. Yeah, like basically the way that I look at a guillotine is like the French guillotine, right? It's a beheading tool, but I'm trying to choke them instead of behead them. But I need to keep my arm over that space the entire time. But if I lean back, I could lose that. But how do I keep weight on them while doing that? So I need to like crunch in and lean weight towards it so I can separate the head away from the body to make it weak. A guillotine isn't actually a pull up for the choke. It's actually like a vice and you're pushing the head into the vice. That's a joke. Okay. And it actually took me a a fair while to figure that because there's many different hands, like hand configurations and strategies to it. But now the main thing is if I can bend the head away from the spine, then I have the guillotine. And that's what I mean when I was saying before about sort of um, being creative with it. Yeah. And that surely that's just come from your experiences and holding this and understanding leverage and going, okay, well, that would feel a little bit better if I did this or that would feel a bit better if that was there. Yeah. And there's probably just so much you can learn from being demonstrated until you're actually in the deep waters yourself. It's a funny one, man. Like it's funny when you say that because I do see myself as a creative type, but I don't see myself as like coming up with the actual move. No. I just like to change a move that's kind of already existed. Yeah. Kind of suit me. To suit your body strap because everyone's got a different biomechanic as well. All right. But like where I was going was um, when it comes to my grappling – and like submissions and things like that. Sometimes I wish it wasn't this way, but I'm glad I'm this way too. But I've never done the same thing twice. It's always, something's always a little bit different. And I, I don't know why. Like I, I think I, I get, I guess bored easily. And I like, like, let's say I'll get good at like one guard pass or one type of submission. I'll be like, I'm going to do it a different way now. I'm just sick of how I used to do it. I'm going to try and adapt it and change it. And I think that's been a, a real key to my success. The but as you said before, you said like, but they, you might not know what the other person's trying to do to you. Yeah. And if you're adapting these new ways and being unpredictable, then that's where, I know you said you didn't like the analogy of chess as much, but that's where it sort of becomes a game of chess, doesn't it? Yeah. No, no, absolutely. It does. It does. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm always like debating uh, different ways to compete, different strategies, only because I know there's no complete and ultimate way. Like when it comes to a sport where you have to deal with someone else that's trying to do similar things to you, 
it is unpredictable is always the ver- like the human variable, right? It's chaos. Yeah. So I just like to live in it and just adapt. And hopefully that works out for me. I mean, I believe in it, so. You're a legend, man. Good luck on the weekend. I'm excited to talk to you afterwards and uh, hear the results. And I'm also excited to get Nathan myself back down so we can uh, we can have some fun together, man. But Absolutely. anytime you want to do strength and conditioning stuff, you know my door is always open here Thank for you. Thank you, man. I appreciate whenever it. Whenever you want. Absolutely, man. Thank Let's you do so this much. again soon. Let's do it, man. Champion. Cheers, Thanks, man. man.